end of our first full day of practice together. And it's possible that it's been a uh, a graceful glide into stillness, but probably more likely to have been a bit of a, a bumpy ride, right? <laughs> uh, in which we we experience uh, some of the residues and the momentum of our daily lives, uh, and and probably also experience waves of the hindrance factors. Uh, wasn't it so helpful to have Christina remind us of those this afternoon? You know, because it's so easy, so easy to take them personally, isn't it? And to assume that kind of it's just me who's uniquely afflicted with with the kind of alternate bouts of sleepiness and restlessness and doubts about whether I should have done the Sufi dancing course instead. You know, uh, and just to have have this normalized. I'm sure the Sufi dancing course would have been wonderful as well, but here we are, you know. And just to have these factors kind of normalized, very, something in the heart softens, kind of senses this is our common humanity. And at the beginning of a, of a retreat or a day, or a sitting, or a walking period, it's so helpful to really take time to orient to what resources us, what grounds us, what steadies us, what, in a sense, kind of enables our nervous system gradually to settle, and to rest, and to open. And the tradition uh, points to, to three refuges, three profound refuges uh, that, that can offer deep resources as we practice and we live. These are the refuges of, of Buddha, of Dharma, and of Sangha. And, and a great deal could be said about each of these. Uh, but perhaps just remembering a dimension of, of, of the refuge of Buddha, which is pointing to the potential that, that genuinely exists in each of us to progressively awaken into liberating understandings and more unconditional friendliness and compassion. This, this word Buddha means, means to awaken, means wakeful, awakeness, you know. And we kind of embody that potential for awakening in, in any moment where we really wake up to the experience of the moment. You know, just asking the question, what's happening now? What's happening now? Can I know that? Christina used this, this word, which is actually the most common word in the Satipatthana Sutta, this verb to know. Can I know what's happening now? Can I know this breath? Can I know this step? Can I know this sleepiness, this restlessness? 
this, this friendly, interested knowing, which is the very nature of mindfulness. This is, this is a refuge. This is a refuge. This is something we can lean into and rely on. And Buddha knows Dharma. This, this word Dharma, which, which points to the teachings about teachings of wisdom and compassion and awakening. But an ancient description of Dhamma describes Dhamma as apparent here and now, timeless, inviting investigation, leading onwards into the goal. And so just that orientation to Dhamma, to to this moment is like this, the Dhamma of this moment. <laughs> this, this unfolding, there's a, you know, an invitation here really to trust the kind of unfolding of experience as we practice in this way. Our, our job, if you like, is to sit and to walk and to practice and to let the Dharma unfold, let the Dharma emerge. To Greg Kramer talks about trusting emergence. You know, we can have the sense of it should be different, it should be like this, I should be experiencing, or I shouldn't be experiencing this after 10 years of doing this. And actually just to trust the kind of lawful unfolding of experience as we practice in this way, something we can rest into. Just sit and walk and practice and let the Dharma unfold. And Sangha, the third of these refuges, the sense of community. You know, I think e- even though mindfulness is, is becoming you know, increasingly popular in our society, still kind of most people who are teaching mindfulness and, you know, many of us who are practicing it, we can feel quite isolated, can't we? We can feel like we're kind of pioneers in our community and a lot of people don't really understand this weird thing we're doing, you know, or may even be actively hostile to it. And here, and here, we're amongst friends on the path, you know. And just, you know, as we sit here now, just to kind of appreciate the preciousness of this, you know, we can feel so isolated in our lives and, and just to value, ah, oh, I'm surrounded by friends on this path. So the, these refuges, these resources, really to let them nourish the heart, let them support the being as we, as we spend these days together, to trust them, you know. In the story of, of the Buddha's awakening, uh, he was, so it's said he was afflicted by Mara, this embodiment of the hindrance factors, you know. So desire and doubt and restlessness, you know. And what did he do? Well, the image of him here illustrates what he did. He, he is said to have touched the earth. And again, this is a kind of resonant gesture with lots of meaning. But for me, it also reminds 
about the importance of touching the earth, of literally of grounding. Really taking time to receive and appreciate and kind of soak in the sensations of contact with ground. The ground of the floor, the ground of what we're sitting on, the weight of the lower half of the body, the earth element, as the Buddha describes that in the Satipatthana Sutta, the weight of the hands and the arms, you know, we, the, the, the sense of the out-breath that takes us to ground. The, these are tremendously, tremendously valuable cultivations, which we so easily kind of overlook. You know, the, there's a, a there-ness about the sensations of ground, isn't it? You know, we don't have to earn them. They're there. And yet we kind of take them for granted. And, and in our daily lives, it's so easy just to be kind of charged and recharged and activated by the kind of interactions or just watching the news, you know? And certainly in the work of a psychotherapist or a nurse or a teacher or a mindfulness teacher, you know, we, we can take on a lot of charge. And actually to have that kind of lightning conductor, you know, or kind of tap root that, that puts it in the ground, like Siddhartha touching the earth, this is really helpful to cultivate. This is really helpful to cultivate. You know, this, this, this sense of where are the places in the body that are somehow outside the patterns and the kind of vortexes, the vortices of attention or rumination or agitation, you know? Your feet are probably not bothered about that situation at work, you know? Your sit bones are probably just fine, <laughs> whatever's going on in the mind, you know? And this is useful to know. <laughs> This is useful to know. And so really as we you know, cultivate, as we practice settling, practice allowing ourselves to arrive more and more fully and to settle, to have this orientation, this kind of embodied orientation towards ground and grounding, really tremendously helpful, tremendously helpful. We can't kind of do too much of that. If we did nothing else for the next week, that would be time well spent. Be time well spent. Because part of what we can see is that when there's a sense of grounding, it, it supports us in opening, in being more present, being more here, more available for, well, for the many blessings that surround us here you know, that are kind of available to be enjoyed. You know, the, the Buddha said a skilled practitioner cultivates a sense of enjoyment. So, so this sense of enjoyment, not just a kind of fruit at the end of the path, but as something that we can actually cultivate. This is a really important word as some of, some of you know, in, the, in this path, this word cultivation, bhavana, which literally means to bring into being. 
And it's the word that the Buddha used to describe practice. He described practice as, as cultivation, bringing into being, deliberately choosing to cultivate and, and kind of encourage wholesome, resourcing qualities. You know, if we think about how, how we cultivate seeds in a garden, we we kind of prioritize them and we, we care for them and we nurture them and we feed them and we water them. And, you know, this is, this is how we can practice with these wholesome, helpful states of mind, like appreciation and enjoyment. Can I really kind of notice what is available to be appreciated and open to it? Let myself enjoy it. Let it in. You know, let it in. It's a, a principle that the Buddha said, whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of the mind. And isn't it interesting how the neuroscience of the last 10 to 15 years kind of graphically shows that to be literally true in terms of the way the structure and the functioning of the brain are shaped by what we dwell upon for good or for ill, you know. And so, you know, part of the, the, the art and the, the opportunity of retreat is to cultivate these qualities of enjoyment, of appreciation. To let that which has become dulled by habit and familiarity again become alive, again become nourishing through being noticed through being valued, through being appreciated. You know, ju- just to be able to walk, to take steps, you know. Something to appreciate, you know. To, to feel the quiet tingling of the hands in the lap. Huh. This can be appreciated. <laughs> to feel the sense of space that's here silence that's here, the beauty that's here, the orientation to, to dharma, to goodness, to kindness that's here. These are all blessings. These are all blessings that, that actually we can quite consciously orient to and let ourselves be nourished by as part of our art of being on retreat. And we can feel the difference in that, can't we? And Christina spoke about this this afternoon. The difference between appreciation and craving. You know, craving kind of wants something that's not here, doesn't it? It wants a kind of outcome. We can feel how it kind of activates the nervous system. Appreciation is, is, is about receiving more fully the gift of what's already here. We can feel how appreciation kind of restores balance. It's kind of, you could say it's kind of homeostatic, isn't it? It kind of returns us to more balance, to more kind of equilibrium when we really have a sense of gratitude and appreciation and enjoyment for what's here. Even just for the the freshness of this in-breath that you're breathing right now. The release of the out-breath. These are blessings. You know, in 
many ways the deepening on this path is, is about a growing sensitivity to, to subtlety, to that which is available to us. When we really kind of stop and get interested and look and appreciate. And, and we can see how this, this cultivation of, of appreciation and enjoyment can coexist with discomfort, with kind of unpleasant sensations in the body or, or difficult thoughts in the mind. Because we know, don't we, how attention, for very good evolutionary reasons, attention goes to what's unpleasant, doesn't it? What's painful the difficult worrying thought or the, the kind of discomfort in the knee or the back. And what attention tends to do, unless we're really consciously cultivating it from a resourced place, is it tends to amplify and magnify the sense of unpleasantness, doesn't it? Do we notice that? You know. and, and yes, you know, we know as mindfulness teachers and practitioners and therapists that that turning towards discomfort or pain is really an integral part of this path but a key dimension of this practice is also about developing our capacity at times not to give attention to what is uncomfortable or distressing or painful you know particularly when we sense that we're not sufficiently resourced, you know, that we could get overwhelmed. That, that actually it's so helpful to cultivate that capacity, even when things are difficult, really to make much of and, and orient to what is also nourishing, what is comfortable. You know, what, my knee may be uncomfortable, but there may be plenty of other parts of the body that are comfortable or that just feel quietly okay. or the parts of the body that are outside the kind of thought or mood storm of the moment. Really so helpful to value those, to turn towards those, to kind of enlarge the arena of our awareness to include the blessings of this moment. So yes, there's this difficulty and also there are these blessings. As, as part of our practice of learning to stay in contact with that which resources and grounds and nourishes us in the presence of that which agitates or challenges us. You know, this is a really useful life skill, right? You know? So even when you know, the body is uncomfortable or there's a lot of agitation or rumination in the mind, still, can we turn towards, can we turn towards and, and, and value and appreciate that which is available to nourish, to be enjoyed, to give a sense of spaciousness? Because there's a crucial understanding here that, that pain and discomfort whether physical or emotional, don't have an objective or fixed size and intensity within consciousness. Th- does that make sense? Can you feel that? 
pain and discomfort don't have an objective or fixed size and intensity within within consciousness because it depends very much on the climate of mind within which they're held. What I'm cultivating in the midst of this difficult experience. Or where I'm resting or grounding the attention. Yeah? From a place of groundedness, the discomfort may feel very different. From a sense of the larger field of blessings, that, that worry may we may notice it shrinks a bit. <laughs> you know. So, you know, particularly in these these early days of, of the retreat, but actually throughout, because we can't have too much of this, you know. Really, you know, taking the time to to appreciate to enjoy, even to bask in the blessings of this time, this day, this moment. These These are not to be taken for granted. These are gifts for us to receive to be resourced by and refreshed by, nourished by. And this orientation to appreciation, enjoyment, uh, is, is not just for the more kind of informal moments of the day when we're outside and hearing the bird song or the breeze in the trees or the rain on the face or, you know. But actually to bring right into the sitting practice and the walking practice. What is it as we sit and walk to just keep orienting towards a sense of appreciation, a sense of enjoyment? This is, this is really integral to the, the cultivation of what the Buddha called samadhi, or the practice of samatha, which is a word that's often translated as concentration. But actually, for me, that word has a kind of contracting, kind of tight feel about it. Uh, and, and actually, uh, a word, the, 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 the word in Pali, samadhi, is more about recollecting. It's the same word that is used elsewhere in the suttas for gathering firewood. Yeah? So the kind of gathering the attention, gathering the attention, collecting, recollecting the attention together in ways that are, are nourishing and healing and soothing and steadying. In a sense, we could say that, that the cultivation of samadhi is, is the cultivation of whatever gives more resource and ground and collectedness to the heart-mind. And this uh, collectedness and mindfulness don't tend to be distinguished in, mind, in contemporary mindfulness-based approaches. Um, uh, but it's really helpful, particularly you know, as, as we deepen kind of beyond the, the first eight weeks of our own practice, really to kind of explore these as, as distinct but not separate dimensions of practice that the Buddhist psychology distinguishes kind of uh, 
right or wise or appropriate mindfulness from right, wise or appropriate collectedness. They, they kind of depend on each other, these qualities. We see this in the Eightfold Path. We see this in the Seven Factors of Awakening that we'll explore later in the retreat. And we could say that you know, collectedness is an aspect of mindfulness. Would we agree? Yeah, we can feel that. Collectedness is an aspect of mindfulness, but that it can be also deliberately and specifically cultivated. So we could see mindfulness as about a more kind of inclusive awareness and investigation of experience as it arises and how experience is being conditioned moment by moment, shaped moment by moment. And the cultivation of samadhi or collectedness is, is more selective. It, it kind of prioritizes certain aspects of our experience like the sensations of breathing or the sensations of the hands, or the sit bones in the buttocks on the chair, or the feeling of the whole body as you sit here. It kind of highlights these and gathers the attention into them. Can I check, does, does this make sense? Can you feel this? You know, one of the images, Ajahn Chah, one of the great Thai forest masters, uses the image of, of the two legs you know, the two legs are not separate, but they're distinct. And at different moments, we can kind of move between them <laughs> according to the needs of the moment. Yeah? Sometimes it it's, can be really helpful to, to take time to, to be gathering, to collect, to be cultivating this quality of samadhi, collectedness, gatheredness, nourishment, healing, soothing. And at other times, to open up and be more investigative, more inclusive, more kind of exploring how experience is being shaped and conditioned. Just like, you know, the, the, the body scan that you guide in week one of MBSR might be different from the body scan you guide in week eight. You know, one might be more about collecting and gathering. The other might m be more about investigating might be more about kind of understanding, uh, as, as Jaya put it this morning, the kind of naturalist, understanding how this works, you know, how this experience of embodiment works. So you know, this, this cultivation of samadhi, there are many blessings. You know, there are many blessings. We can, we can sense even just, you know, moments of collectedness are nourishing, aren't they? <laughs> You know, they're resourcing. They can be healing and soothing. And they can also enable a clearer seeing. You know, through cultivating samadhi, we really, we do come to understand more about how perception and experience shape. Our perception shapes our experience moment by moment. And we can see more clearly where we're, where we're clinging, where we're caught. And one of the reasons why uh, collectedness feels, feels a more appropriate translation than concentration is that the Buddha describes collectedness as an enlarged awareness, an awareness that has grown great, as he puts it, a spacious awareness. And if we read the suttas, we see that for the Buddha, cultivating samadhi was a kind of whole body experience. 
Jaya invited us this morning to feel the breathing through the whole body. And the Satipatthana Sutta uses the phrase, breathing in, sensitive to the entire body. Breathing out, sensitive to the entire body. Breathing in, calming the bodily formation. Breathing out, calming the bodily formation. So this kind of spacious sensitivity and knowing that can kind of pervade the field of sensations that we call the body. Can you sense that in a moment? See, breathing in, sensitive to the entire body. Breathing out, sensitive to the entire body. And, you know, the Buddha, time and again, uh, compared practice or described practice as a craft. A craft. He lived in a kind of artisanal culture of crafts. And what do we know about crafts? They take patience, don't they? They take patience. They take persistence. They take a willingness to begin again and again. And they also can benefit from a certain kind of playfulness, you know, where we're not taking them too seriously. You know. And can you feel how this practice we can take very seriously in a way that can tighten us up rather than lead to the kind of openness and nourishment of samadhi. I came across a quotation recently that said, truth, like love and sleep, resists approaches that are too intense. And I think samadhi is a bit like that as well. Practice is a bit like that. You know, if I get very intense and kind of focused on trying to get collected, actually that's not going to help. You know, and this this cultivation image. You know, if we're cultivating in the garden, what do we do? Well, we tend to the conditions. We look after the conditions that enable the vegetables to grow. You know, it doesn't help to dig them up every few days and measure how much they're growing and compare it with how much we think they should be growing. You know? So there's something here about really trusting, trusting these practices of collecting and gathering and letting the kind of fruits come in their own time. And as with all crafts, there are, are tools for this. And, and I find a very helpful collection of tools, five tools that the Buddha identified for collecting the attention, for this gathering. And uh, they're they're tools that actually can be very helpful uh, when teaching mindfulness courses, when guiding meditations. Um, But you don't need to think about that now because you're focusing on your practice here. but, but the, the first of, of these uh, tools is, is what the Buddha called directed attention. The Pali term is vitakka. And, and Christina spoke about it a little this afternoon, where we take the attention to this in-breath, this out-breath, the hands, the soles of the feet, the sit bones in the buttocks. Can we see that there's a kind of directing of, there's a kind of thought that directs the attention to a place? Can we feel that? It's a kind of initial application where we we take the thought to a a particular part of the body. We can highlight some part of the body with a thought. Okay, 
breathing in, <laughs> you know, and the attention goes there. Now, as Christina was saying this afternoon, that's, that actually needs something else if the attention's going to stay there, doesn't it? You know, and that's a different kind of attention. This is the second of these tools, which is a more sustaining, sustaining attention. We could, the Pali word is vichara, and we could translate that as a kind of receptive sensitivity and feeling of the sensations in this place. So if, if you take your right hand, the vataka takes your attention to your right hand in this moment. And then there's a vichara, then there's a, a feeling of the sensations, a kind of exploring, a rece- receiving of the sensations of the right hand. Can, can you feel that? It's a different kind of movement, isn't it? It's a, it's, it's a, it's a kind of yang and yin in a certain way. Vitaka is, it, it goes to the place. Vichara receives, explores, with the breathing, it's kind of almost like surfing the sensations of the breathing. Isn't I'm going to practice staying with the full cycle of this breath, feeling it, receiving it, sensitive to it. An aspect of vichara is, is also about kind of adjusting, sensing, okay, what might be the most comfortable way to breathe in this moment? How does the body want to breathe right now? This, this kind of receptive sensitivity is, is sensing what helps to, to kind of collect the attention into the sensations of the breathing or the sensations of the hand. Kind of tuning the effort levels as well. The Buddha compared tuning the effort to being like tuning a stringed in- musical instrument where, you, where you're sensing, okay, what level of effort keeps me connected with the breathing without it being a kind of strain yeah can you feel that tighten the string of the instrument too tight and it becomes a struggle too floppy and the attention goes everywhere but vichara can actually sense okay what helps to keep connection but without tightening without kind of struggle you know and that that's a can be a kind of constantly adjusting sense of connection or sustaining do you sense how these work, these two? You know, in the body scan, you're kind of directing the attention to the lower half of the left leg, and then you're exploring. You know, what do we find when we're here? What are the sensations of the lower half of the left leg? Let's really investigate. Vitaka, vichara, directing, sustaining. The third is, and the Pali term is piti, which is. Um, sometimes translated as as rapture, but we could translate that as a kind of appreciative fullness. A kind of fullness of enjoyment. So, So right now, maybe just sensing your whole body as you sit here and just taking a long, slow in breath. And on the out breath, really just relaxing and fully receiving the sensations of breathing out, really appreciating, consciously kind of enjoying the sensations of breathing out. 
we kind of nurture this quality when we we cultivate this fullness of appreciation, this appreciative fullness of the sensations of breathing or of the hands or of the lower half of the body as we sit or we walk. Jaya invited us this morning just to notice as we sit and breathe, just to notice pleasantness, any pleasantness that's present. Yeah. And it could be just very quiet sense of okayness or ease in some part of the body. And very skillful uh, orientation just to notice the pleasantness and to kind of nuzzle into it. Let ourselves really appreciate it, be nourished by it, enjoy it. The Buddha said, this kind of pleasure should be pursued, should be developed, should be cultivated. It doesn't need to be feared, he said. The the cultivation of of a meditative enjoyment, a gentle enjoyment, an appreciative enjoyment of the sensations of the body that can indeed coexist, as we've said, can coexist with other parts of the body being quite agitated or uncomfortable. You know. So the, the legs are uncomfortable, but I can really savor the breathing in the nostril. You know. Or I can really hold the whole arena of the body in a spacious awareness that kind of contextualizes discomfort or agitation that may be here, that kind of holds it in a larger arena of an orientation towards appreciation and enjoyment. Does does this make sense? Can you feel this? It's, it's, uh, It's kind of like, you know, when you've got a fire and you're just blowing on the embers gently and they kind of glow. And it's not about intensity, this. It's more about a kind of steadiness or or a steadying of the orientation towards appreciation enjoyment than about having a kind of really intense pleasure (laughs) yeah this kind of receiving and appreciating the sensations of the body as it sits or walks and breathes just the blessings of that So this is the third of these qualities, appreciative fullness or fullness of enjoyment. The fourth is ease, contentment, relaxation, we could even say. Can, can you feel how, just when we really allow our system to kind of ground, it supports the nervous system in softening relaxing a bit and and over these early days just again and again to have this sense of relaxing releasing tension into ground letting the the breathing kind of soothe and smooth the nervous system relinquish the struggle this is a what Christina calls a, a, a peaceful practicing, a peaceful coexistence with the moment's experience. And, and this, this word 
sukkha, which is the fourth of these qualities, can be translated as contentment. And you may notice, rather like kind of radio waves, that, that there is the radio wave of contentment that's kind of out there somewhere. It may be very faint, <laughs> you know? Maybe there are lots of other stations playing much more loudly. But if you kind of remember those old analog radios and you kind of tune to this... In Europe, it was always Radio Luxembourg, which was very kind of difficult to find. And you kind of just tune to the, the quality of contentment. Oh, it's very quiet, but yeah, it's there. Yeah. Can I, can I let myself be nourished by that? Can I orient to that? Not looking for something dramatic, but sensing something nourishing here, letting myself notice and receive that more fully. So we've had this directed attention, this sustaining attention, vichara, this appreciative fullness or fullness of enjoyment, this ease, relaxation, contentment. And the fifth is, is a sense of, of well, the the Pali really means a kind of unification or a cohering or a harmonization where we, we kind of allow the integration of body, awareness and present moment. Do, do you know that moment in the body scan, at the end of the body scan where, I don't know, where it's maybe John who you listen to, John Kabat-Zinn's body scan, but there's that invitation to open up the awareness to the whole body. Do you remember that bit? And there can often be that just that feeling of holding the whole body in a more kind of coherent field of awareness. Where we notice actually that some of the kind of labels of this bit and that bit and this bit and that bit, which I've been working through in the body scan, they kind of dissolve into a more unified field of sensation and energy. Yeah. This, this points to something quite important, that there's no objective way of experiencing the body. The body, the sense of the body, which has been the theme of our practice today, is dependent on the way of looking in the moment, isn't it? You know? And this, this quality of, of cohering, cohering, just allows the body, just allows it to kind of over time become a more coherent field of sensation. We, we see in the... the I'm, I'm in, really interested at the moment in how the Buddha's use of imagery can be very evocative in guiding practice. So that it's not just kind of illustrating something, it's really a kind of meditation instruction. And, and often we find in the Buddha's descriptions of mindfulness of the body or samadhi, he uses images of soaking and saturating. So one of his images, we, should we just try it? Are you up for trying a, a couple just before we close? You know? so, so one of the images he uses is he says mindfulness of the body or collectedness of awareness in the body is like a jug filled with water to the brim. So just as you sit here, just imagining the body kind of filled with a friendly, warm awareness to the brim.
sense of body sensations kind of liquefying into fullness. The Buddha said this this image or this cultivation is very protective for the heart-mind. Body filled with awareness. Or, or another one just to play with, he compares this cultivation of samadhi in the body to being like having a lump of dry soap suds that you permeate and pervade with water. So it becomes like a ball of ball of soapy, watery soap suds, <laughs> right? <laughs> We could, we could, we might imagine a kind of bath sponge, right? You know, a kind of bath sponge filled with water. So just as you sit here, just imagining the body kind of every cell, every pore filled with awareness, filled with an appreciative, receptive presence, saturated. To use the words, Buddha's words, pervaded infused, filled, saturated and soaked with appreciative awareness. So if you find anything in those, you know, if you find either of those images helpful, feel free to play with them, you know. Uh, As we're sitting or walking, as we're just around the place, these images or, or any of these five tools, these kind of craft tools the Buddha invites us to play with. You know, the directed attention, the sustained attention, the appreciative fullness, the ease and contentment, the sense of coherence, just to play with these. We can, we can, what, what I love about these tools is that you can practice them even when the mind's going crazy, you know. I can still go, oh, in-breath, out-breath, you know. Oh, how do the hands feel in this moment? Can I sense the hands in this moment? Or can I, can I savor the freshness of this in-breath? Can I be filled with that? Can I appreciate that? So um, these these different themes, these themes of of resourcing, trusting trusting our potential, this this refuge of Buddha, trusting the the unfolding of experience, trusting the the kind of emergence of how experience unfolds as we do this practice, really trusting that. Resourcing through the sense of community, togetherness, the the sense of, oh, I'm here surrounded by friends on the path. That's good. The orientation to grounding. The sanity of that. Support of that. To enjoyment and appreciation and to collecting, collecting, gathering, steadying, 
soothing. So, in a sense, trusting that these intentions will bear fruit as we practice them. Really trusting, letting the process unfold. Our job is simply to keep practicing the intentions and to let this process unfold. And so just to finish with a verse uh, from the Buddha on on this theme, from, from the Dhammapada, early collection of the Buddha's teachings. The Buddha said this, do not disregard the potential of sincere and skillful intentions and practice thinking, hmm, the benefits won't come back to me. With dripping drops of water, see water imagery again, with dripping drops of water, even a water jug is filled. So, little by little, those practicing sincerely and with skillful intentions will be filled with beneficial results. So let's just have a few moments of quiet. So thank you for your attention. And we now move into a walking period um, before we, we gather for the final short sit of the day. So time may be to enjoy your walking. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.